His name is Heston Blumenthal. Hello. Our captain for another journey to the centre of food. Welcome on board. I'm Jay Taylor, your first mate, along with our navigator, James Winter. And today we are once again taking a trip deep inside your minds as we delve into your wonderful questions and ideas on our mailbag episode. So without further ado, let's meet the man who has more stars and a preacher's got psalms, Heston Blumenthal. Hello, Heston. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. I don't know how many psalms there are in a, in a preacher, though. <laughs> That's a, it was a very bad. That's a cracker. That's a cracker. <laughs> it was a very bad. Can you guess what the very loose? Uh, yeah, se- rap seven somehow. It was uh, so jump around. I've got more rhymes than a preacher's got psalms. I think it is. Oh, I is think that's it? probably the wrong. Yeah, no. I'm very straight. I mean, it's one of the problems. You. Can... <laughs> So I don't uh, have no, that's nothing to do with Q and A. I just thought I'd mention that one. Uh, Hest, uh, hello, James. How are you? Very good, thank you. Yeah, I'm now just googling preachers and psalms and arms and things. Yeah. <laughs> and Heston, you just come back from a, a holiday. Where'd you go? I went for a week to Montenegro, which I'd never been to before. Uh, or the one and only who we are opening a hotel and bar with in Dubai uh, next year. And it was incredible. I went scuba diving, cave diving. Oh, cool. But the most incredible thing about it was the people. The people were real human beings, the, the, the staff, the service staff there. In, it, it, it was incredible. Luxury hotel, but human beings. Lovely. Got that right balance. I, when you said Montenegro, it's one of those places I just have no frame of reference for no, at all. I, I mine is football and the Eurovision, yeah. the Eurovision Song Contest. <laughs> what what it. is it like it's there? It's near Croatia. Oh, no, I know oh. Croatia, and that's a fabulous place. Okay, I get that, that kind of vibe then. It was a beautiful hotel in a beautiful setting, but what made it amazing were the people. What's the grub like? Uh, very nice. Two restaurants. Giorgio's got an Italian restaurant there, Giorgio Locatelli. And there's a sort of fusion Japanese restaurant. Oh, nice. And you said cave so diving. Nice. I, that, I, love, I love scuba diving. The idea of going in <clears throat> caves, that feels a bit... Never the first time I've ever done it. Last time as well? No. You enjoyed it? I, I love diving. I love... You know, we know more about the what's on the surface of mars than we do about what's at the bottom of the sea now admittedly this wasn't very deep <laughs> but still it wasn't the mariana's trench or anything like that no no no, no. <laughs> it's it, it no. is incredible experience i just it's the peace and quiet when you're down there i adore but i did once get taken into a cave system and i did not like it because i'm quite big and the idea of getting stuck in there didn't didn't the instructors weren't particularly good at instructing, so they sort of just let me get on with it. That definitely makes a difference. Yeah. The person you're with makes a big difference because you can also overcomplicate scuba diving. There's something really, once you get over the weird feeling of being able to breathe underwater. Yeah. A lot of people find that quite panicking. But once once you get over that, yeah, there's other things you have to do. You know, if you if you push your belly out, then you become like a mm. balloon and you go up. Oh, the bloody buoyancy is so hard. I spend my whole time with that little if, hand control trying to get myself to stay stable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But you also use your mm. stomach. Well, cause, so yeah, because you fill yourself up when you, you breathe. breathe at, yeah, and when you breathe out, 
you sink. Yeah. But if you've got no patience like me, yeah. <laughs> you just have to wait. Also, my only brief flirtation with diving, I discovered very quickly I was what was described as a floater. So <laughs> I would naturally, I know I've felt that. And, and, and so I would naturally gravitate towards the surface. So they had to apply extra weights to me to get me down. <laughs> so I'd end up carrying like about 40 kilos <laughs> to get down. <laughs> He's naturally very airy, as James. He just sort of naturally. Well, I, I, I rationalise it by thinking, look, it's a good safety mechanism. If you're going to go underwater, it's good that you're a floater. If you want to get back up, there's a yeah. There are other sort of metaphorical definitions on connections to floaters. I've been watching that um, that BBC drama all about the uh, set inside the nuclear submarine, and it, it's obviously it's really good, but it's obviously the submarine's huge compared to what it's like in in real life. I do remember going on board one of those subs and it was just the... I don't get claustrophobia, but there was something about being inside it that just made me feel really kind of enclosed. And you did the food for one of them, didn't you? So you've been down in it. Yeah, I spent three or four days in a nuclear sub. Did you? I didn't know you went... So you were yeah. under, uh, under underwater for a period. I slept I slept next to a tornado. A t- torpedo? Torpedo. <laughs> and a tornado. <laughs> A torpedo. A, tor- a torpedo. The tornado is the secret weapon that had the, the loudest snore I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Sailor snore. Uh, I went out from it was Port uh, Plymouth, I think, with the captain on the what do you call it? The turret. Conic Conning Tower. Is that what it's called? The Conning Tower. I think so. And every time he went out, he lit up a cigar. He gave me a cigar. So we smoked nice. a cigar as we went out to sea, and. Um, then if you are claustrophobic, submarines are not the best places no. for you. The beds, um, the roof, they're bunk, bunk beds and you bed share. So you do something like six hours on and six hours off. Mm. That I don't like the idea. It's of, you know. weird. My bed is a special personal and, place. And they had a name for it as well, where the distance between your forehead and the bottom of the bunk bed above you is something like three inches. No. Yeah, so, and there's a bruise. Oh, I can feel there's that. A, there's a, I can't remember the name. There's a, there's a name for the bruise that you get on your head <laughs> if you're dreaming. Every time you put your head up. So some people wow. put pads. They put pads on the, uh, on the underside of the bunk bed above them. There was one rowing machine in there. What else did I learn? I, I drove this drove. This say drove, drove it, sailed it, steered it. This nuclear float it. Sub yeah, it's a good question. For yeah. uh, are they a boat? What do you call it? Or are they a ship? Or do you? I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. They get funny about one or the other, don't they? Yeah, I think they're a boat. U-boats. You must yeah. drive. I presume you drive it. You're not sailing it, and no, you're not floating I mean, it. I just stood, or sat in front right? of a wheel and looked at some red dots that went bleep 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 uh and then turned the wheel didn't really know where did i was you, going up did you get to say oh, i was going to say did you get to say up periscope i i, I said it i said it and, and, the, and the, the commander said we don't say that oh give me oh. a give us the other one. give me a target solution there's a, <laughs> a, a fish in the water that's another one isn't it we were just doing a show about um, we were just doing a show about the Napoleonic Wars, and I got to go on HMS Victory. Yeah. And the thing I didn't realise was that 
each sort of part of the crew, sort of three or four man part of the crew called messes, are all, were all self-sufficient in terms of food. And when they arrived in places, they were allowed to bring livestock on board. And they used to have live cows and sheep and pigs on board the ship. But they had to pull back on the rules when once they stopped in Cape Verde. This wasn't Victory. This is one of the British Navy ships. They stopped in Cape Verde and all the independent groups of messes or the sailors got a bit carried away and they ended up with 500 animals on board the ship. And after that, they were like, right... We're not doing that anymore. Yeah. This is ridiculous. But that's crazy. You never think about this I shit. Think, I think that's I think that's called Noah's Ark. Well, it is, isn't it? Yeah. And they just imagine the noise and the smell of all those live live animals on a warship. Obviously, they don't have that on. Well, there submarines. was also ah, I, I, I remember that because I went on the sub. I joined the sub. Um, I went twice. The second time was three weeks into, um, what do you call it? Maneuvers, a mission. Okay, yeah. Maneuvers, a mission, and then when you open the hatch and you go into the sub, the stench is unbelievable. Oh wow! Yes, it would be, wouldn't it? Like a plane, but three weeks. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! But it's amazing how quickly you adapt to it. Were they? Were they generally a happy? crew so to speak were they do they all seem quite happy with their lot being stuck <laughs> in a tube underwater Un- unbelievably <laughs> the, the the hierarchical system that i expected so there's commander i don't know what you call all the names they all they all took the piss out of each other they laughed they were it, it was amazing to see it was really amazing to see so much more now, coll- collegiate I, than you'd imagine. You'd think these things would be very hierarchical and orderly. Yeah, no, no. I'm sure there was. The, they had the hierarchical system, the vertical system, but they made fun out of each other. They made jokes. They were laughing. They were... And I, and I, I wondered, are you stuck underwater? There's no space. The gym was one rowing machine that you could barely sit on because it was in such a small place. Everything, everything is small. You know, think about the because ex- the, the idea of not being able to exercise would drive me berserk. But the idea that they're down for six months sometimes, aren't they? How they can stay in any yeah. kind of condition if they can only row once a day if you're lucky. And they're limited on how many letters of messages they can send to friends or loved ones. Do you get showers down there? And it's a stupid question. I know they must clean themselves, but I imagine there's a finite amount of fresh water they can have on board. Do they? Did you have a shower when you were down there? Yeah, there were there were showers, but there were only a couple of showers, and there was a crew of round about ninety, and there was a small restaurant for staff meals. So you had a limited amount of time to eat your food. And then you wash your plate afterwards and got out. Was it a good was it a good eating environment, considering the things we've learned along the ways about how important food is to morale and everything? It, was it a space where you wanted to eat? You know, it felt like a bit of an escape? No. Uh, well, for me, maybe it did, because the second time I went on the boat, I had two lines of sailors saluting me. Oh rightly so as well i hope you inspected them as you went past you know, tight, tight your shoes uh, yeah uh, so it was pretty cool but six months underwater with no communication 
I would assume it takes a special kind of person to train for that. Yeah, that's certainly not me. Um, right. Okay. Well, I mean, that's a glorious aside. Um, I'm very interested. On that, on that note. On that note, uh, oh. let's dive into our mailbag because that's what we're doing today. Now, thank you, everyone, for getting in touch. We do appreciate it. We've had far too many things to read out everything, but we'll try and get through as much as we can, which probably means next to nothing, considering how long we take to get through any answers and the deviations we take. But we're going to try our very best. Please do keep getting in touch. It means a great deal to us at Heston's Podcast at Instagram and Heston's Podcast uh, at gmail.com. Had a great one here from Fiona Longheart. Uh, A few weeks ago, we were talking about restaurants and we were talking about sort of good and bad restaurant experiences and she said she's got a funny bad service story she said there was this thai restaurant in fulham um which is well known for a good food but a hilariously scary woman uh she wasn't able to go there for years because apparently this woman took an instant dislike to her boyfriend and wouldn't let them in um and there was also a story about um basically one of her friends who went there with her secretary and then a month later with his wife and the uh, the owner gleefully came up and pointed out the difference to the uh, to the wife and <laughs> which just oh my god <laughs> so it's a remarkable a remarkable bit oh, of service my. there oh. that's uh, quite a place by the sound of things in terms of those sounds like uh, it sounds like a um do you remember that harry enfield character the pharmacist when they go queues up and he's got he's got hemorrhoids or he's got some sexual disease <laughs> he's he's south african and he shouts out loud <laughs> in the queue is that though it's it's when restaurants are so ingrained in the person's personality that they're no longer a restaurant for services sake it's just you're entering their their living room i mean there was a cafe in ealing where the the, the owners would have raging rows in front of everybody You'd see them shouting at each other when you were trying to eat your breakfast because it was basically just their living room and they'd forgotten that there were actually customers there. You're all just invited round for, for lunch. Yeah, you're, you're, you're just observing their domesticated... Um, uh, how do you say? Their, their domesticated issues. It's incredible, isn't it? Do, I mean, do you, do you know in your... You know, the places you visited over the years, obviously any restaurant or cafe is very personal to the owner. But have you been to any places where the the... The ownership and the personality is sort of overtaken, so they get offended if people don't like their food, or they get upset if you don't like the service, or things like that. Have you ever been anywhere like that, or heard of anywhere like that? There was there was a, a Michelin starred one. Where was it in Melbourne called the Croc en Bouche? And if you're late, the guy made you lean, wait, wait in the corridor, wait. And if you if you leant against the wall, you'd get the bollocking. What? Yeah. <laughs> That's not your wall. <laughs> <laughs> Great line. <laughs> That's fabulous. I don't remember the name, but there was one that was very famous in London years ago where some one of the staff cut somebody's tie off. Wow, like a Faulty Towers moment a, almost. Yeah, with a pair of scissors. I, but I'm not sure if that was part of the, you know, you go there to be abused. I don't know. Also, we tend to look at this from the perspective of, of being good customers, but I bet in restaurants you get some awful customers sometimes. People who are just yeah. so obnoxious and <clears throat> entitled that you would love love to chop their ties off. I remember once being in the kitchen in the duck, Nigel, front of house, said there's a very rude person on table, whatever, and said, I don't want any of this nonsense 
give me give me your best food and then said um some other things and i got i got so angry to leave the kitchen for 10 seconds because there was hardly any of us in there was would have caused chaos i just had enough i walked out i saw his face i looked at him i thought you're going to be my dinner <laughs> and i walked down the corridor and nigel did something brilliant he just put his forefinger on my shoulder and i did a roundabout u-turn around his finger nice move and found myself back in the kitchen <laughs> <laughs> I love that idea. You're going to be in my stew. <laughs> it was just such a great way of diverting. Oh, look, I'm back where I started. Yeah. What was I doing again? It's okay again. Chop some onions. Yeah. Amazing. But it, I mean, that comes. That, that, I mean, that's. This is another, another podcast we could do about allergies when people, and our relationship with food is so complicated. Guilt comes in. Sometimes we eat because we're hungry. Sometimes we eat because a uh, social gathering. And then our parents tell us we, that we're not eating enough food and that there's starving people in Africa. Well, we're not rubbish bins. We're human beings. Just buy less food. Just buy less food. Don't don't you don't need to feed the ducks, that's a metaphor. Or feed the horses. It's a form of control. It's a form of guilt, both of feed giving and the and the and the uh, receiving. So it's I think we should have this as a, another subject of a podcast. Our relationship with food is very, very, very complicated. And the idea that if you haven't eaten all your food, did you like it? You didn't like it. Yeah. I've had that in a and b before. And the guy came out and went, what's wrong with that? I was like, I'm full. What, 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 I'm full? Yeah. Or I could have one spoonful and it can be so wonderful, I don't want any more. But then I have to go into a diatribe of my beliefs in world food shortage. We throw too much food away. We eat too much food. We... We're, we're feeders. Then I ask very carefully, plate sharing, I like. Shall we share a starter, share a main course? And then somebody might say, I don't want anyone to touch my food. That's an interesting one. Um, and I say, I like to taste lots of things, but please give me tiny portions. I'm happy to pay for the full portions. Give me tiny portions. You'll save the food. It can go into a compost heap. The staff can eat it. That's more beneficial. That is how you eat, actually. On all those lunches, you'll always have a bit of everybody's sandwich, a little bite of everybody's. You, I've never seen you eat a whole one of a sandwich because you don't want it most often, but you also like trying all the different bits and bobs over a period yeah. of time. That's, that's, that's yeah. scary, actually. We never actually apart from sort of big or small when you go into a restaurant you don't ever get to say how large a portion you want generally you don't go oh can you give me just like no. a couple of chips and size <clears throat> three and meat a half a half portion i'd love a half bowl of soup yeah and and the full bowl comes and i think 
So is that a half portion? And then the waiter looks and shrugs his shoulders and said, that's what chef wanted to do. It is a portion. So then, yeah, so then I am full of guilt. I'm eating it. I'm not, I'm not valuing my gut. I'm eating it because I don't want to upset other people. I'm just going to pause there briefly because I want to share with you something really exciting from one of our sponsors. We all know what a curious bunch you are out there. This obviously is illustrated by these brilliant questions we get every time we open the mailbag. And the great news is, for the curious of mind, we have partnered up with a fantastic sponsor, Masterclass. Yes, Masterclass is where you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. It is a fantastic array of brilliant teachers many of whom you will have heard of so this week for example i've been listening to james cameron yeah you know titanic james cameron avatar james cameron talking all about filmmaking and he's got some brilliant insights into it one thing he talks about um, in terms of terminator he says uh, it's a love story with shotguns so it's really fascinating listening to how he thought about it in his head when he was making it which is which is awesome um there's loads of other things like that and from whatever area you're interested in be it um food writing uh, music any of these things are covered in there and you don't have to be a specialist in any of these areas they're incredibly engaging and easy access there's another great one out there if you have any interest uh, in gardening but you live somewhere where you know you're probably not resplendent with gardening abilities ron finley who's been sort of coined the gangster gardener he's uh, he's become famous for basically growing gardens in cities and in places where you really shouldn't be growing gardens and he's got a great following and he gives some fantastic really no nonsense insights into basically how you can make a garden no matter what size your space is there are over 100 classes available from world-class instructors and the great thing is they're all broken into chapters some 10 12 20 long so you can pick and pick it up anytime you want and watch it in bite-sized portions and learn loads of great things i highly recommend you check out masterclass and the great news is you can get unlimited access to every masterclass as a journey to the center of food listener you will get 15 percent off your annual membership all you have to do is go to masterclass.com slash heston that's masterclass.com slash heston and you will get 15 percent off masterclass go and check it out right the next question we have had lots of um correspondence from scandinavia resulting from our experiments with uh these with the fish from fish i can't read them all out but thank you ever so much everybody out there who's got in touch basically it's all of a theme um they're basically all saying the thing with the same thing which they're laughing at us uh and we got it wrong uh in in general so infinite uh infinite elm has basically said um you tend to eat it as a snack there's certain times of the year you'd have it um Apparently, it first started as a tradition in the 1940s. Uh, the, the demand was really oh. high and the competition was really intense, which resulted in people um, selling it before it was fermented and done enough. So it kind of it became less popular because of that. But they're all saying that we should have... Um, there's booze you should have with it, certain type of, of schnapps and things. And also, you're supposed to have it with uh, these uh, flatbreads, crispy or soft, steamed, uh, sliced steamed uh, almond or mandel potatoes, sour cream, chives, and finely chopped raw onion, red, yellow, or Spanish. Um, and yeah, everyone's sort of saying, you don't eat it out of the tin, you muppets. You you eat it with these things, and it's, it's actually quite nice. And uh, it, what was the thing they said? Oh, yeah, um, you normally have beer, nube. Uh, I snaps many small shots of Vranvin, Alvit, vodka or bitters. Sorry, apologies to everyone in Scandinavia for that. 
there, there is a there is a drink which I had with scatter, which is a flat fish that has ammonia, full of ammonia, and my throat told me I'm not eating this, and it just kind of ejected it out, <laughs> of, my, out of my mouth. And they handed me this drink, which was an acrovit with caraway seeds in it. It was like black skull or something. Oh, is this that blood? He said something. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Some prefer Sfagdrika, a sweet, dark, low alcohol malt beverage or small ale. Is that it? No, it was no, it was probably 30% proof or something like that. Oh. But it had caraway. That's impressive. So I, I, gl- I glugged that to try and get rid of, try and calm my throat down. I don't, don't, and I was on did the, the opposite effect. Apparently, the Swedish yeah. food agency, the Swedish food agency says it has very high environmental toxins such as dioxins, polycurinated bifilins, something. Uh, they recommend you don't eat it more than two or three times a year. Oh well. Oh, well. oh what a shame. That's a, that's a shame. <laughs> it's to next year. <laughs> but it, it, yeah, I have to control ourselves. Um, but it does it not prove that there is no food that is intrinsically disgusting because some people love it. Yeah, it's true. I mean, the, the, the reaction we've had from the guys who've been listening out in Scandinavia is is you ate it wrong, but actually it's like Krilkiko, Krilkiko, I think Krilkiko, said it's, uh, yeah, you never open the tin inside the house. You eat it together, which is a, which we did do, um, yeah. and uh, you've got to sort of do it with friends in the right m- mind space. So you're completely right. These people, this is not some daft dare like we thought it was. It is something people eat for fun certain times of the year. Yeah, if they, it, because if it were, if it wasn't, then nobody would eat it. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, uh, it's a fascinating one. I'd like to go out there and try it one day. I think it'd be amazing. Um, and, and brace yourselves. Here comes a segue. We've had another uh, message from Scandinavia. This is from Dan in Norway. Hello, Dan. Um, this is about food pairings, which we often ask and do episodes all about fun, interesting food pairings that can push push us all in interesting places, but certainly Heston. Uh, and he said he recently listened to the tuna and Nutella sandwich episode. Uh, and it yes. reminded him of an unconventional pairing he did as a child. He had a slice of bread with hazelnut spread, similar to Nutella, and another yeah. one with liver pate. Uh, he thought they were both good, so he put them Ooh. together. Mm. Sounds, sounds, sounds nice. interesting, wasn't it? That's that, that, mm. that sounds nice. It's funny, yeah. isn't it? How the, it's funny, isn't it? How your brain can put those things together and go, yeah, I think that's about right. Yeah. That feels quite rich and warming. Um, yeah. He also said he started thinking about different foods he disliked as a child, but now likes. So, for example, Greek yogurt, um, tomatoes. Um, yeah. He. he he wondered what foods you remember disliking as a child but learned to enjoy later and what, what we think the thinking is behind that, how that how we evolve like that. I mean, I'm, I'm certain, as we've talked about, learned association. So for me, coffee, I absolutely did not understand that at all. My parents drank it. I thought this was the most disgusting thing. But then I learned to like the, the routine, the noise, everything about that comes with it. And you sort of learn to like it, right? Yeah, I, I, I think... There's never one reason for something. So if you take coffee, it's bitter. Tea is bitter. Beer is bitter. From an evolutionary point of view, everything that is poisonous is bitter. So why do we do it? 
why do we go on the adventure why do we climb everest why do we build monasteries in freezing cold places on top of mountains why do we run marathons it's it's like a hero's journey then coffee then became uh aspirational so 12 year olds 13 year olds too young to go to the pub you, you don't really want to sit in a bus stop then starbucks came along and you could go and sit and be cool and you could be like an adult there's another reason um i had never liked licorice but then i developed uh an adoration for the smell of licorice but not the taste yeah it's a hundred and something times sweeter than sugar so i get the i just get the coating in my mouth but the plasticity of the brain stroke gut means you can train yourself to like anything yeah anything it's mm. a curious one isn't it that that um interpretation of of sweetness as well feels something that will influence you know as a, a whatever reason it feels like we like sweetness more when we're younger or at least we learn to like it less as we become older possibly and certain things that are immensely you know like fizzy drinks and things become immensely sweet when you're younger and as you get older you find you can't quite enjoy them as much now again that it's very difficult to separate isn't it what is the mental and what is the physical is that because i now know that i don't like them because i know they're not doing me any good so subsequently the feedback loop to my body is don't like these things or is it that i don't like sweet things so much it's it, it's impossible to separate the two right you can't yeah you can't and 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 this is again coming back to ken roberts's ted talk when he says we educate ourselves from the waist up we don't listen to our gut anymore or our legs or our feet or the stuff that's underneath our feet i remember meeting a man in harley street he came to see me at the duck and he was a hypnotherapist and specialized in food um they weren't allergies but you know foods that people can't eat so he hypnotized them and took them back they were awake and they were happy to be filmed he took them back to a moment in their childhood when something happened with food right and then they remembered that moment and then they could face that so these weren't physical really allergies were they or these were more kind of phobia type things yeah phobias phobia type things and then i also think when we come back to sort of talking about guilt eating there are some allergies where you will have a serious uh, let's call it biological or medical reaction with the allergy. But is it? Is it memory? When people say once you've had the bad oyster. Mm, that's me. I mean, I have, that, I have that condition or whatever. Absolutely, I can't eat oysters now because I had an oyster that made me very yeah, ill. So but your, sometimes your, I can have them. Sometimes I can't. It's just kind of weird that sometimes they really affect me. Is it your memory, your head, your gut? some other parts of oh, your I'm body just really unlucky with, with oysters and I just keep picking that one that's out there yeah I mean it could yeah. be couldn't be absolutely right yeah there's never one never one reason yeah I wish I could eat them all 
I guess why I keep you going know, back. And yeah, I love oysters. That's, that's a dish I've never looked at and gone, oh, I wish I could eat those. Well, that's, those that's, isn't it Mark Twain who said it, he was, it was a brave man that first ate the oyster? You know, it's kind yeah. of, it is not, it, it's, it's not something you, you dream about, is it? But then once you love them, you do. I mean, that's a weird thing, isn't it? Like the mushroom. Mm. Yeah. I yep. mean, if you're a small, a small tribe and you need to eat something, otherwise you're going to die. And you see a mushroom. Oh, someone's going to have to bite into it first. Ye oldie Heston, that was the, that was your role. Yeah, that was so your so role so through the centuries. Yeah. That's why your line has continued. <laughs> well, give it to him; he'll be all right. <laughs> apparently, apparently, according to research, uh, people with ADHD um, are the ones that will have a go. Hmm. I don't know how many people have died over hundreds of thousands or millions of years to get um, to the stage where we are today, where we can press a button, order a delivery, open a box, eat the food, and not think it's going to kill us. Well, to get to this stage that I'm about to read out, Marcus Sprinkle has got in touch as well, still on the theme of, um, of food pairings, but uh, I don't know if Marcus is in the US of A, but this is a very US of A thing. He basically said, Dear Jay Heston and James, friend of mine brought this to my attention. I am intrigued. Uh, I know that in the US they mix savoury and sweet, for example, chicken uh, and waffles. However, I never thought of using vanilla ice cream with spicy fried chicken. So this is a um, from Houston, uh, the wildly spicy chicken sandwich with melty vanilla ice cream. Might just be the sandwich of the Ooh. summer, and you know what? Ooh. Yeah, I know it weirdly. Oh, I'd like to yeah, try ooh. it. I really would. If it's crispy yeah, chicken, me, it's got quite too. crispy. Crispy it's... chicken, cold ice cream on a waffle. The maybe. Chicken is hot and crispy mm. with the spices. They've got it in toasted brioche if bun. The here. Ice creams, mm. uh, like... maple syrup maybe or something as well. Just something. Especially if it's hot, if it's hot as well, like hot mm. spicy chicken. That could or be really if it's good. fiery, a little yeah. bit chilly, a little yeah, a little bit of kick in there as well. That is an that is an interesting, imaginative, imaginative food thought. It is yes, and it I can't. It, it does look like the kind of thing you'd expect in America because it's not small either. There's a lot of ice cream. There's a lot of chicken. There's a massive sandwich. With I it. might even go to the to the local casino supermarket in Igalier. They've got posh chicken nuggets. They've got vanilla ice cream, and they have brioche buns or toast. Oh, fabulous! And I might have that for my dinner tonight. Oh, there you go. Good work, Marcus. That's why we do these ones. Marcus, thank you. Love it. Now, I'm just going to pause here again because I think you probably need a drink. But are you sick of sipping sickly sweet canned cocktails? Tired of not being able to have your perfect favourite cocktail at home? Well, fear not. One of our sponsors, The Drinks Dropper, here to reinvent your drinking experience and there's no bar in sight. Uh, that's right, we have partnered up with The Drinks Drop and they have partnered with the UK's best bars to bring you cocktail menus bursting with world-renowned brands. And on top of this, all their cocktails are handmade by actual bartenders. That means bar-quality cocktails made by a real bartender and delivered to you. Same day if you live in London. Next day nationally. 
you can create your own box for two for just £19.50 or six for £45. And you can select from pre-curated boxes with accompanying playlists to suit any vibe. So maybe we should get one made for our podcast. That'd be quite fun. Uh, the best part is the price always includes the delivery. And they've also recently launched their three-litre bag in a box, created with a host of award-winning bars, including Hawksmoor Bar, who've added their fan-favourite Plum Negroni to the menu. Now, the great news is the Drinks Drop are offering all of you guys out there 20% off your next order with code HESTON20, HESTON20. So head over to www.thedrinksdrop.com, choose your cocktails and use the code HESTON20, that's H-E-S-T-O-N-2-0, for 20% off your next order. Go on, you deserve a drink. Right, next question. Good few weeks ago, we were we were on the uh, search for the full house of red. So this is to remind uh, our listeners out there: these are these are food products in which all four of the nutritional labels, which are fat, sugars, salts, and the other one, uh, are all red. What's the other one, James? Fats, saturated fats, sugar, and salt. Oh, so it's two oh, yeah. fats. Well, interestingly, within the space of a day, we had two different emails from two different people in completely different parts of the world who have both tracked down. Full House of Red as Michael Jones. Hello, Michael. Um, he has found uh, the ketchup-flavoured Cheetos, which uh, not only is it Full House of Reds, but the packet's red as well. And I think just, just to remind you of the guilt when you eat them, but they are Full House of Red. So Cheetos, you know those American crisps. Uh, mm. They are, yes, they are quite astoundingly red. So they've got they've got all the traffic lights. They have. Oh yes they do. If you Google oh, it, yes red. you do. Yeah, and it's they've so- got salt and sugar then, yes. Because in the ketchup. Is that yeah, 30, so that's often the thirteen grams of sugar or one point three. It's hard to I'm see. I'm trying to good. zoom in on a picture, yeah. Which is quite fabulous. And then at the same time, uh we also had Jordan get in touch. Uh I'm not sure where Jordan in the world is, but um They've found that, oh, they'll be in Britain, little barbecued chicken wings are all red oh, as well. Oh, 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 there you go. That's this weekend sorted. Yeah, All you need to do now is choose the movie. Yeah, so they've got, wow. Specifically from Lidl. Specifically from Lidl. They are the, uh, this, for all of you out there who fancy spending a weekend feeling guilty, Birchwood barbecued chicken wings, succulent British wings, coated in barbecue sauce, um, fat, 34.5 grams, which is 50% of your daily allowance. Uh, saturates, oh, okay. 8.7 grams, which is 44%. 28 grams of sugar, 2.94 grams of salt. So God knows where the chicken gets in there, because it basically sounds like it's entirely made of sort of salt, sugar. and. Uh, so using those numbers, you could have two lots and just that's it you could have one at lunchtime one in the evening and that would be your daily uh sort of you know (laughs) limit yeah Yeah, there you go that's all your vegetables needed in that in that situation oh yes you might need to add some vegetables yes to go with it yeah Uh, yeah and pre pre (laughs) a couple of prebiotics yes plant-based foods it's brilliant uh Right, we are approaching the end of this, so I'm going to try and rattle through some of these for you, Heston. Uh, Garrett Bain, greetings from across the pond. Hello, Garrett. I think he's in the USA of A as well. Hopefully not Good name. eating too many... Uh, yeah, it is, isn't it? Eating too many ice cream and spiced chicken. Greetings from across the pond. I'm making chocolate in my home kitchen and was trying to figure out what setting on the heating pad to keep the chocolate at the right temperature while putting it in the moulds. Out of nowhere came the idea set a bowl of water on it and check the temperature. It was the obvious solution once I thought of it. Uh, I love the podcast. Best, best, best bit of waking up on Monday morning. Thanks, Garrett. So what's he saying? So he so set a bowl of water on it and check the temperature. 
that seems quite logical, don't you think? Makes sense to me. Yeah, I think well, for water it means does he? Yeah, so he, he can measure the temperature of the water better than he can measure the temperature of the chocolate. Is that what he means? Yeah. So he's matching the two together. Yeah, I've always been curious about it, Heston. In the in the pastry kitchen part of the kitchens, I remember one of your chefs telling me that the the countertop itself was really important because they did lots of the is it the tempering of the chocolate where they put it on the counter surface and moved it back and yeah, forth. Yeah. Is there a specific type of, of stone or metal that you need to do that on when you're doing doing the chocolate? Um, uh, things like marble and granite work well because they just they stay colder. So you got to keep it the right. You got to keep it cold enough to move, but not so cold it sets. Uh, yes, you are going to be moving it because you're working the chocolate, but it gives it more time. Amazing. There we are. Uh, okay, we are, we are um, approaching the end of this, but just just in response to the uh, the mushroom podcast that we did a while ago, and Heston, you were just talking about those who went and ate mu- mushrooms. Adam Thompson gets in touch. Uh, Hi, Heston. I just wanted to write a quick one to say I'm still listening to, listening to the podcast as I have from day one and loving it. Thank you, Adam. And um, we do appreciate that lots of people out there listen to this while they're in your kitchens working away. So it's it's nice to be your companions while you're doing it. Uh, like a fine wine, it's certainly improved with age. That's very kind of him to say. I'm not totally sure about that. But uh, this he's talking about the mushroom episode with Big Jim uh, and how Big Jim talked about boiling mushrooms. He says, Adam says he's been a chef for 20 years and has never been taught to boil rush- mushrooms. This week I did, and it's a game changer. Mushrooms will now be my new favourite ingredient. Thanks for the tricks, and tips keep up the good work it's good to hear isn't it brilliant yeah, it's fabulous isn't it brilliant what a way to end there we are even even better than your um pharaoh's prophecies preachers psalms um, <laughs> psalms <laughs> incidentally apparently psalms. i think there are i think it's i think there are 150 psalms in the bible for anybody that was uh wondering i think that's for that's the number of uh, rhymes that jay might have see how Somewhere we're working this now like, yeah. that was the cliffhanger from the start to the end amazing right yeah that like opened and closed loops <laughs> that's why we did that extensive scripting session the other day guys that was the importance of that <laughs> it was <laughs> That yes, writer's room is finally paying back for us. Nah, yeah, all of those years of, <laughs> of of carefully planning structural storytelling and the hard and fast academic research scientifically based true facts. Yeah. It takes it takes a long time and a lot of expertise to sound this made up on the spot as <laughs> well. Uh, tune in next week to the podcast because we are going to be opening up uh, our kitchen cabinets to discover the good and the bad and the ugly of kitchen gadgets and all the wonderful, absurd, brilliant things we have in there. So do do join us for that. But for this week on our mailbag, thank you ever so much, everyone out there who's got in touch. Please do keep sending in all your ideas. We do love it. James, thanks for being there for us and uh, with the Psalms facts. Uh, and Heston, thank you once again for opening up your mind for us. See you next week. A great pleasure and thank you, all of you.